You had a whole hour of explaining why you don't use dice, although the way that someone asked that question made me want to smack them into outer orbit. I mean, I agree, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Who, who decided to be messy? Uh, no worries. We're, we're live now, by the way. Uh, welcome, we'll everyone. We'll talk about it later. Uh, yas. Welcome to Begins Episode 3, everybody. Um, sorry for the bit of a late start. I had to finish getting the overlay prepped. And then we also had a bit of a vibe check before stream, and it's fine. <laughs> and they also had to convince me to put on clothes. Also true, which is a, a f monumental a feat, feat when it comes to sin. It is a feat in and of it itself. Yes, I had to learn many feet. <laughs> so uh welcome back my name is eric aka eldritch crow and i'm glad y'all could join us today um so we're gonna go around i'm gonna have y'all introduce yourselves this might be you know one of the last episode we do character intros at the start just because we're getting into the thick of things now uh so let's go around sin rainy ronins okay Hi, my name is Nick. I am your local he, him. I also stream here on Twitch when you see me on Mondays and Tuesdays where we play multiplayer games and also story-based games and RPGs because those are the things that I love. And in this game, I am Rue, pronouns of the he and they variety. A wandering person who has found themselves wandering a little bit less and isn't sure what to do about it. Hi, I'm Rainy, she, her. Uh, you can find me here on Twitch at Rain, Rainy Keys. I do art and game streams. Uh, tonight, I am playing Alyssa Vesper, the masked and veiled uh, <clears throat> archer that nobody quite knows and everybody thinks probably could use uh, a stick removal, shall we say. <laughs> And with that, hey y'all, I'm Monroe. My pronouns are he, they, he, they interchangeably. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at MonroeRo98. And I play Danica, pronouns she, they interchangeably. My big, beautiful, buff, awkward mountain. Yes. And uh, with Shout that. Shout out to Bad Chili, where you happen to be. <laughs> uh bad chili i know is probably listening in whilst playing D, &D like a terrible player i'm not guilt tripping at all boo um, boo <laughs> but also thank you we enjoy your patronage as always thank as you. always and thank you to everyone joining us live today as well um so that said let's get into a bit of a recap uh, oh, before I get into the recap, today's episode, as always, is brought to you by RPG Hour Studios and the soundboards I'll be using later. We skipped Barry. We did. I am so sorry. I heard Nin okay? speak and I just assumed it was done. <laughs> uh, listen, it's been a it's been a nerve wracking day. All right. Just leave it at okay. that. Uh, in any case, I am an inbins. Uh he, him. I appear in various places on the internet. You might find me on uh, Sinzi Extreme um, or other streams around the internet. I'm also on Twitter as Ninbins, and I play 
a lovely tree person by the name of Barry. Their pronouns are they, them. Um, and that's about it, yeah. We're professionals here, folks, as if you can't tell. Uh, <laughs> uh, listen. Consummate professionals. Listen, it, it's been a week. It's been a week. It's been a nerve-wracking day. Moving on. Uh, this episode, as always, is brought to you by RPG Hour Studios, um, who are producing the episode. Uh, they will later be producing a podcast form of the show as well. And on top of that, they are being wonderful and hosting us all over the place as well. And the soundboards, as I mentioned, will be courtesy of Sirenscape. So if you need music for your TTRPGs, go check them out. Um, I have a credits panel for them in the About section of the stream, and the link will be in the description for the YouTube bod when we get to it. That said, uh, the recap. Last time, you all were sort of mid-travel away from Twin Creeks after uh, rescuing the town from an attack on the Bane Horde, and Rue woke up a little bit on the, I wouldn't say cranky side, but the shocked and surprised side, we'll say. Uh, Rue awoke with nothing but a note in their front pocket stating, um, you wanted a vacation. And things went from there. Uh, there was also some shenanigans involved with quail feathers uh, being stuck all around um Alyssa's mask and into the veil and various things and Barry went about constructing a way to find the missing Esper crystal that was stolen out of Twin Creek's beacon on the assumption that the crystal must still be within with someone within the caravan this caravan is about 200 people large so Barry's got quite the work ahead of them but they effectively managed to create um I guess I would call it a dousing rod, really. Yeah. Um, it's a magical dousing rod using a piece of Esper provided by the Expeditionary Forces Quartermaster, a bit of the brass rather than copper from the lantern that originally contained the crystal. And, well, we're just going to see how that goes today. The session ended with Rue pulling everyone into a dream in order to discuss certain particular visions Rue had of the past, specifically of someone in old world robes and garb appearing to teleport creatures of the Bane Horde to Twin Creeks before the attack happened. And we ended with the group meeting a creature, creature, being, one of the two, who had swirling stars and nebulas moving beneath their skin and who warned the group that the dream realm and the roads they walked might not be as safe as they once were. And that is where we pick up the next morning when you all awaken. So, before we get into this, is there anything you all would like to do sort of first thing in the morning? This will be the Alyssa's last day of travel, by the way. Mm -hmm. I guess Alyssa will have a chat with a particular <clears throat> companion of hers. All right. 
Is there anything you would like to say in particular, or is it mostly small talk in the morning? Small talk, a question of where do you want to go once we get back to um, Paul? Okay. Now, you've already given me the answer off screen, so um, I won't go into the voice changer for this, but they would just say, you know, stop in and check on the family. Um, and that's about it. I would be um, out. Um, let me see. Well, I guess as much as one could be, I would be uh, somewhere. Um, probably quietly practicing sword techniques. All right. I'm doing a bit of morning practice. Lovely, lovely. Now, for those who have seen me, this would be, this would probably raise a question because this would be the first time you've seen me with one. I think Danica would go over and uh, practice with Rue. Interesting. Um, what kind of sword does Danica use? It's a rapier. Hmm. Now, for the purposes of the audience, would you both mind describing the particular particular weapons you're using for this practice? Because I know both are fairly um, unique choices that we haven't encountered since the first episode, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So mine is this long uh, white gold rapier. The hilt and the guard is this kind of floral-esque thorny cage. And when it swung, it kind of creates this buzzing that almost sounds like fluttering, like butterfly wings. Um, what I have um, looks like a, a um, wooden practice sword. It has couple of like runic characters along where on an actual like sword the blade would be does it have it just has like a handle that you can grip but it does not have a hilt um a lot of the attacks you see me do with it are uh, very quick and very angular lovely so as you two are practicing it's a bit of a brisk early morning, I would say. We're in that somewhat like spring time period for uh, this particular area of the continent. And so it's a cool breeze, you know, it's warm in the sun, but in the shade, you'll get a bit of a chill, that sort of idea. And the caravan is just sort of awakening and everyone is about to start packing up and getting ready to go. And as of this morning, you can see the tall wall of what is the Shattered Plateau off in the distance with the slight gleam and sort of definition of a fort uh, sitting at the bottom of it. This fort is one half of what those of you that are part of the Gleam Wardens know as the Brink, with the other half being at the top of the wall. And at this distance, 
currently you might not see it yet, but there is sort of a grand elevator of sorts that can take people from the bottom portion to the top portion at the edge. And that would be your destination for the day. Barry, is there anything you'd like to do for the morning? Um... He's, he's basically uh, walking up and down the caravan line with just waving his his new toy. Okay. Uh, he decided to get to work uh, first thing in the morning. Very well. Um, Barry, you would wind up with a few... Um, a few of the younger children in the caravan following you around, uh, having scavenged sticks of their own and wondering what you're doing and just sort of mimicking your movements uh, in the way that children sometimes do when they assume something is fun. Um, Ro assuming, assuming I've noticed the kids, I, I'm also sing singing um, a local limerick that the kids might know. Okay. Um... I want to say one of the kids changes it to a body limerick because they're like 13, but no, nah, we won't do that. Um, <laughs> They'll get a stern frown. Uh, Danica and Rue, you would notice um, some of the folks watching your morning routines in terms of the sword forms that you're using, um, but some of the kids sort of watch but stay back just because one they don't want to get accidentally clocked by a moving sword and two they sort of maybe are a little bit intimidated by danica because they have <laughs> they haven't seen danica fight yet that's the thing so seeing danica go full like all right take the jacket off and exercise for the morning it, it leaves an impression a query for danica how do you practice and does it involve me or are we practicing separately? It would be separate, like kind of like just adjacent to each other because one of the things she wants to practice that she's getting used to is kind of sprouting fire from the blade, like extending it with her thergy and her pyromancy. Kind So it it's kind of like a light show at the moment. Danica. Mm-hmm. Would you care to make a skill check to see how successfully this exercise goes? Oh god, sure. What's what's uh whichever one you want to use. Um so whether it be pyromancy, theurgy, your choice. Okay. Just well, to see both. how in control and how how far you get with this type of practice, we'll say. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna use thurgy. That's safer bit. All right, I'll put this at a two because you're exercising, but you're not under duress, so. Okay, so that's a nine of spades and a six of hearts. All right, I pulled an ace and a six, so you're doing particularly oh, wait, hold on. well. Are you? Oh wait, this isn't a. This is. This... Oh wait, oh, wait, hold on, you're doing a magic thing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Danica, I pulled an ace. So we'll say this one benefits you a little bit in that it's not the first time you've tried to conduct flame and light in this particular way, but it is definitely the most successful time you've done it. 
um, you get sort of a consistent coating of flame that's almost like a golden orange color coming off the blade, and you're able to move it up and down the blade to the point and to the guard effectively as well while you move. Danica's not going to show, but like, because she's moving, but like still practicing, but like there's more of a bounce in her step now, like visible giddiness. I think there would be, like, because this has, like, visual elements to it, I think there would be a moment where I pause in my practice and just kind of see this as Danica, I imagine, like, having this moment of, like, really solid success is kind of wrapped up in that moment, the way most swordsmen are when um, they're practicing. And so it's kind of like, that's nice. You know, you it's the kind of stuff that you love to see. Someone who is just kind of having a moment and very in love with their craft at a particular point in time. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, we're going to leave you two for just a moment because nothing will really interrupt your morning practice currently. You can get through that effectively. Very. I'd like to return to you as you're moving up and down the caravan. It's a large caravan, and your dousing rod is effectively a small piece or shard of crystal wrapped between, I believe it was two pieces of brass, wrapped in wire, and then stuck at the top of your staff that you've crafted. It gives off a hum somewhat like a tuning fork, and you kind of, you get this idea that as you're moving up and down the caravan, you feel like you get close a few times. You can hear that hum become a bit more, I don't say rapid in frequency and a bit more in tune with itself. Um, the multiple notes coming off it just sort of synchronizing into a harmony. And then you'll keep moving and it will sort of fray, I guess would be the appropriate term for it. And this happens three, four, five times to the point where you start to think that maybe if the crystal is still here it is also on the move within the caravan it is someone who is moving or with something that is moving fairly frequently is there anything you'd like to do um hmm Whenever, um, whenever it begins to uh, harmonize, Barry is going to uh, stab the staff in um, in the ground and. Uh, well, actually, no. Barry's going to use the staff itself to memorize, um, uh, to memorize the frequency that it is uh, pinging at. Interesting. Uh, All right. And then he he's uh, going at like when it's at its most uh, harmonic. Um, when he's, when he's managed to get it memorized, um, he's going to use, uh, Liminance 
Um, and instead of transporting himself, he's going to transport the, uh, the staff, um, using that frequency as a homing beacon, uh, to see if he can catch the person. Um, oh. so I suppose in essence, he's going to throw it like a spear and use his luminance to see if the staff, um, you know, to help the staff find um, its uh, other parts. This is the moment where, as a game designer, I'm very happy with how this application of skills is going. <laughs> as a game runner... <laughs> yet. <laughs> um, so... I... <laughs> I hesitate to put this at a high difficulty, but it is going to be a high difficulty. Like I'm going to set this at about a four and it's just because this is a very creative application of skill that you possibly haven't bent your skills in this way before. You know, you've moved things from point to point, but you've never had to move something to a location that you weren't at least somewhat aware of. Uh, it, it's that classic nightcrawler issue, I guess, really. Um, so this is this is going to be a four for this difficulty check. Okay. Now, I do want to point out uh, a slight rules change that I made last night is that now cascades don't happen on any face card. They happen as uh, if you pull a king, you can choose to cascade or you can choose a different perk for the skill check instead. Ah, okay. Just to make sure that things don't get a little too wild. Uh, but that also means that I don't cascade either, unless I'm looking, so you're good. Okay, so wait, only kings cascade? Only kings. And you have to choose whether you want the cascade or if you want something else to happen. So your cascade okay. could be your critical on the skill check, but if you know you're going to succeed the skill check anyways, you can pick something else. In that case, what um, do queens or jacks count for, respectively, like numerically speaking? Is that 10? They just count as 10, yes. Okay. Nins? Um, so I have a 20 and a cascade. I pulled both a queen of spades and a king of spades. Wow. All right. Uh, so cascades still function the same way. Um, you still just keep pulling until you don't pull a face card. Okay. It's just the queen and jacks don't trigger the cascades. It's only the yeah. king. I keep. I'm just gonna keep drawing until I find a face card. And, until you don't play a face card. Until I don't. Oh, okay. Okay. So. Okay. Yep. That makes more sense now. <laughs> no worries. We're only in episode three. I figure it'll be episode 30 before we get the rules figured out. If we go that long. Um, I mean, if... But I, I nine of diamonds. Alright, so your total was a 20 before. Um, does that mean you're at a 29 or did you pull some extras there too? I pulled a 29. 29. You've got me beat. <laughs> So, <laughs> I 
I need to, I need to take a minute. <laughs> well, folks, as our DM is currently processing, uh, once again, if you do uh, appreciate what you're seeing here, please do not forget to follow the channel or subscribe. Also, if you're watching the VODs on whatever YouTube channel you're watching from, be it RPG Hour, our wonderful hosts, or Eldritch Crow Gaming, Please also give a subscribe, a like, and hit that bell notification. Oh, and um, <clears throat> not to, you know, like, not to ignore this very important part, go to itch.io and buy the game. Oh, yes, yes. Um, Thank you, both of you. Uh, you can use the link I just popped in chat to go buy the game. First, uh, first card draws of the day. Yep, and uh, so. <laughs> Alright, I guess we're just gonna go for it. Um... The question, does Alyssa see this? This is like, the caravan is just getting rolling. Like, it would probably take um, Barry a few hours to get a feel for this. So we're talking like caravans on the road but it's still morning it's maybe like 11 a.m roughly ish you all are scattered throughout the caravan and you would hear oh god damn it what as zira the expedition leader gets full out clocked in the head by a teleporting staff after that, after that staff teleports, Barry's teleporting too. So we're basically I watching like... from a distance. Think... You all, I, I just want to paint this picture for a second. From I mean, a distance. Go ahead. I think she would be at the front with uh, Zero that morning. Oh, see, Zero's not always at the front. Zero yeah. moves throughout the caravan. That's what I mean, though, is like she would okay. be with Zero. Be like hanging out with Zero today. So, mm -hmm. so this is this is both funny and also somewhat spooky. Um, so basically, you all would see Barry kind of walk off to like the side of the caravan, out of the group, take the staff, hoist it like a javelin, and chuck it. But Barry actually like chucks it away from the caravan so that the teleport functions properly. And then it doesn't get interrupted by anyone passing by. And then out of nowhere, Alyssa, you're walking with Zira and you're both sort of like going up and down and you hear and you watch Zira drop like a rock to the ground as this thing puts her off her balance <laughs> because it clocked her right in the back of the head mid-step. Oh, dagnabbit, who's responsible for this? So there is now, you now see <laughs> from a distance, Rue and Danica, you would see this spear chuck happen. In a different portion of the caravan, you would hear, oh, God damn it, and watch Zira drop. And then through a very similar, almost, um, it looks almost like the way water lenses light and changes the direction of light. You would see Barry step forward 
and then Barry, suddenly you're standing over Zira as she is clutching the back of her head, which is not really bleeding, but is still going to be very sore for the next couple of days with a goose egg. And your staff is on the up, ground next to her. I, I, I want to say here that I might not have noticed. I might actually not have noticed this. I mean, that's fair. You might just hear the yelling. Um, I pick up the staff and I use geomancy to cause the nearby plants around her to search for the crystal. Okay, um, I'm going to call this a three for your geomancy check. Ask okay. to uh, create a little bit of, I guess, privacy. Can Alyssa use the nearby shade of the trees with her Nexergy to just create a here's, here's a question is like Alyssa not going to ask what the heck is happening Alyssa should know hmm you, you all you all were aware of a bit of Barry's plans to go searching for this crystal that Alyssa, was some... Alyssa saw Alyssa's worked on research with Barry before they've kind of done a slightly similar shakedown like this, so this is why I'm asking for the next energy check. Oh, okay. So, Barry, what did you pull for your geomancy check? A 20. 20. I pulled a 21. Um, <sighs> so, uh, Mark, that how, you... How very dare. Uh, you are able to bank a card off that failed check, so... I will bank a card. Uh, the Nixergy will be easier. I'm going to set this at a two because you're not in, like, direct conflict with the creature. Mm -hmm. Um, so whenever you're ready, go ahead and make a check. I'm going to use my banked card from last session. Ooh. All right. Spend one potential and use that banked card. Um, so that's a 15. A 15. I had a 12. You are very lucky. Because <laughs> I drew a five on the first one, so. <laughs> All right. So this happens and there's some. There is some commotion and all of a sudden the shadows just deepen around you and the shade gets a little deeper and the noise from the caravan starts to get a little muffled. And it's not quite a bubble, but it's more like more like something physical and tangible about this shade beneath the trees uh, comes into existence around you. So, Zira is on the ground. She goes, oh, what in the world was that for? How? Um, Barry, since Barry failed his, um, his search with Geomancy, he's going to use the staff as a metal detector. That's what it was. just going to run it up and down. So, red or black? We'll, we'll see if this is just a 50-50 a shot of it being on her person. <sighs> it is not on her person, but from, we'll say, the residual readings you're getting. She definitely at some point in the past, maybe 24 hours or less, had that crystal. Zero, I like you. I really do. 
And if you don't want to be talking to your ancestors in the next five minutes, you're going to tell me, plainly, what did you do with the beacon crystal? Okay there. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get into some of the social encounters. So this is... Zira is fairly... I wouldn't say stubborn, but fairly strong-willed. So we're going to call this, like, you're going to need a best of three on this. Um, or whatever okay. skills you would like to use in this scenario, most likely social in nature. Um, these will be at a level three difficulty. Again, Zira is fairly strong-willed. And you <laughs> just get to choose how you'd like to apply your skills for this. So I have the skill level of presence and I will be burning that potential as well. But we're going to be using her pre- Alyssa's going to be using her presence to get Zira to crack. So, I will draw the three. And I got... Wonderful. All diamonds. A jack. An eight. And a six. So that is yep. 24. So for this first check, you... You bring the force of your otherworldly abilities to bear, um, to back up your words. And in this instance... I mean, the deepening of the shade of the trees behind her <laughs> probably didn't... Probably oh, there is that, but there is also an element of multiple voices speak with you as well. Oh, and, you have... You spoke with the will of the ancestors. <laughs> I mean. When when you invoked Zero's ancestors, a few of them joined in in this instance. They are not amused. And so, uh, for this first moment, Zira goes quiet for a second, and you have these two very cat-like eyes almost glowing in the darkened shade. And she snarls a bit. And she just says, Oh, come on, you know I can't tell you. That's not how this works. Please, I'm the one who taught you how to interrogate people. Now, for a reminder, Zira is the leader of the expeditionary force and the little sibling of the person who runs one of the cores of the Gleam Wardens, specifically yeah. the leader of the Guardian Corps. Mm -hmm. So this is by no means a small thing. Oh, no, 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 no. This is not a small thing at all. <laughs> so how, how would you care to respond? Um, Barry buries his uh, the end of his stuff in the dirt. Um, and it's going to use Luminance once more to uh, call the rest of their comrades together. Okay. Um, that being Rue and Danica. All right. Barry, I'm going to ask a question. Mm -hmm. Besides Rue and Danica... Are there any other members of the Gleam Warden Expeditionary Force you would like to call on? Um, alright, before that check, do I know... 
We should oh, probably like get somebody from research. Yeah, I was gonna say quartermaster, please. Um, yeah, I would call in the quartermaster as well. And you did talk to them previously in the last episode, I believe. I don't remember their name off the top of my head, but they I do remember oh. them being a Hercules some, or something like that? It was a Hercules beetle. Yeah, they oh. look very much they like were a Hercules beetle. They look like a Heracross. It's fine. Um, get you, get y'all, get you a note taker in your sessions. Mm -hmm. A note taker. I just forgot the name. No, I'm saying I'm talking about you know, like this is a highlight for you, like to see you pull out these notes, and I'm like, get y'all a note taker in these sessions. This is okay. why you have them. Oh yeah, y'all. I'm not attacking you yet. It's too early in the episode. <laughs> so while we are waiting for that name. Barry. I feel um, if Barry's going to reach out to me with Luminous Magic, I think it would be a Danica. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what's going on, but I have a familiar feeling. Uh, if I don't see you again after this moment, it's been fun and also Watching you practice sword stuff is kind of cool. Thanks, but, um, I have a similar feeling that, um, I think you'll still be here. Don't get mad at me for that. Um, so the way it would look to each individual person is that, um, either a nearby, uh, nearby, uh, plant life would extend like a glowing limb towards you. Ooh. I like it. Because because the way that Barry uses luminosity is through the um, plant life. Oh. In that instance, Barry, I don't think I'm going to have you make a check for this. This is just cool. It, we're going <laughs> to let it happen. Real cool. Um, you know... There's no point in you making a check for this because also you're just moving people to you and so the quartermaster Danica and Rue you all would see these branches extending towards you upon touching them there is a slight feeling of a warmer summer breeze that washes over you and it's almost like you blink unintentionally and by the time your eyes open, you are sort of in a semicircle with um, with Alyssa and Barry. And Zira is on the ground, basically looking up at you all and is starting to stand up. Alyssa just like keeps her head stared and just like her arms moved over. And uh, oh. for the next check, I don't oh, like to happened to my uh happened to spiritualism to channel one of the very irate ancestors this is, this is a very this is so nice maybe this was the vacation i was going to and then i look around at the whole room <laughs> and everyone on the floor so I go god damn it i know as soon as danica pops up and sees everything she's just gonna go like oh oh no danica doesn't know Danica. So, I just kind of, I just kind of look at Danica. I look at the scene and I look at Danica. 
Can I have a hug, please? Yeah, I need one too. Do you want me to draw for the spiritualism check? Yes, please. I'm going to set this at a two. Okay. Just because these spirits are here and they well, angry. Uh, <laughs> I got a king for my first draw and I would like to cascade. Uh, so... <laughs> but I also have two cards for spiritualism. So this nine isn't part of the cascade, but I think. Nope, that's so fine. Just... So nine of diamonds, a jack of clubs, and a nine of spades. So that is 20, 38, nine. 29, 38. No, 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 no. That, that is a... Yeah, yeah, 38. 38. It's 18 and then two tens. That is a okay. 30 goddamn eight to my eight. <laughs> Ancestors showed up. So, um, y'all remember Aang standing on that one plateau as he was about to deliver final justice to like Ozai? This is the point that we're at right now. <laughs> uh, so, Rainy, if you don't mind, I'm going to run this as an NPC, more speaking through Alyssa. Yes, please go ahead. Um, for the rest of you to hear. Let me just... <clears throat> as... As this happens, the... And slight note, Barry would know that at this point, Alyssa is channeling, just because of how... Um, he, they've seen her channel before, on one expedition that saved everybody's hides. There is... this... Before Alyssa's voice changes, there is this slight instance of, for those paying attention, you would watch as the channeling begins, Alyssa's shadow splits into two, three, four, five different shadows, all of varying heights and silhouettes, besides just her own. And then you would all hear, Zira Darkfang. Our family are not traitors, for not coin, nor blood, nor violence. You will speak nothing but truth this day. <laughs> Zira's face goes an ashen white. As the voice of I'ma just say you called this girl's grandmother. <laughs> whom she grew up with. Yes. And whom was a member of the war oh, and managed to retire. Chunklo time. And so her face goes ashen white because Zira is not someone who is particularly familiar with Alyssa's abilities, but who just heard her grandmama's voice coming out of Alyssa's mouth. And so Zira, there's this moment where like Zira is on her knees about to leverage her way up and to a full standing position and her mouth just 
flicks shut. And then she slumps. The rest of you, what would you like to do? I'm just imagining this is that one southern grandma that everyone has that just goes, no ma'am, no <laughs> sir. And it's just no further words need to be said. Like everything stops immediately and it's like. She does not need your government name. <laughs> so. And hearing your government name from her is terror. Well, um, so, um, just a quick question, maybe uh, a brief catch up, as it were. What's happening here? Zira had the crystal. Had the crystal? I cannot find it on her. I do not know where it is at this moment. I but I am working on finding it. Where is the crystal? Zero. Um, I would like to do, I would like to do a thing in a stealthy manner. Very well. What thing would you like to do and what skill would you like to do to use to do it? Um, I would like to use, um, Claromancy and I would like to find out, um, if, um, if Zero like, received the crystal within the last 24 hours, and if so, from whom? All right. Uh, that would be nice to back up, just in case Zira is still going to decide to lie in front of her grandma. <laughs> so, I'm going to set this... I'm going to set this at a two because you know your target. This isn't your first time doing this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to have the singularly worst um, draw this game, but that's fine. Oh, no. No, oh, no I mean, did you draw an ace? I, I did not. Um, I have a total of 15. I also have a total of 15. So what do we, so, so, oh, is that how that works? Oh. All ties go to, in favor of the players. Okay, so the way that I would like to do this is everyone just kind of sees me over here, me with my little practice sword or whatever, and um, I am going to um, point the sword at zero. What everybody's going to notice is, you know, like not in a threatening manner or any of these things before it starts glowing green. Interesting. So what do I learn, um, Sir Storyteller? I will give you, I, I'm going to give you an option. Okay. Would you like to know how the crystal was moved? Or why Zero is participating in this particular machination? Uh, 
Okay, so I'm going to do the thinking out loud part for the audience here. On the one hand, if I find out what their motivations are, this might be more of a help to my teammates who are trying to get Zero to be truthful. If I find out how the crystal was moved, it might help Barry better attune to or attune and or track it um, because he knows the system that he uses. Correct. Both good options. Both are very good options. I also want to point out too, I'm fine with like y'all metagaming a bit and talking it out just because I understand this is just Rue's internal monologue. So feel free. Um, I mean, the how is better than the why because the how will let us find the crystal, which is our actual like main goal. The why, um, again, Alyssa hasn't let go of the grandmother spirit. She uh, will and can drag this truth out of Zira for the why. However, on the note of the why, the why is important because the why may or may not reveal accomplices. This is fair. I would actually, I guess in that vein of things, I would go for the why, because the how, the why leads into the how. Um, I have a question for the DM about claromancy. Mm -hmm. Are there any additional checks that need to be made or skills that I would need to use in order to make the things that I am seeing visible to other people? Oh. Have you, if you've seen, um, you know, something, you probably haven't played that game, but the idea of basically making, um, kind of a, a somewhat illusionary space, like that kind of thing where you touch something and suddenly you're in this like 3D VR where you can see what has happened in an area, mm -hmm. um, that type of thing. But, with a memory that shows everybody the same thing so we can find out what happened and why. Because I imagine grandma's going to have something to say about that. I'll say you don't have to make another check, but I will ask you to burn in any combination two potential or two cards from a bank if you have any banked. Um, note that you, you know do something? start each session with four points potential. I don't know if I um, have any banked cards now that I think about it because I don't know how we bank stuff. So um, um, I guess potential it is for the time being. Uh, you oh, bank well. a card whenever you fail a check. Also, oh, okay. um, you can put it in a specific, in the specific, um, current version of the character sheet there is an actual section under under or over each yep. suit that says card bank so you put the number of cards you have banked for that suit there um so um i don't think i have you know something i think i have failed at least one thing i know i got an ace the last time we were here yes um, you did um, you had, like, I think two banked cards from the previous two sessions. Oh, well, 
thank you for keeping track of that because goodness knows I did not. So get you um, a note taker. <laughs> get you a note taker. Um, that being said, I'm y'all. I give unto you the house of gains, um, my bank's cards, and uh -oh. um, what happens is, uh, for a moment, everybody sees like a what looks like a small explosion of chamomile flowers across your field of vision before you see whatever it is that Crow here is about to describe. I need to change our soundboard for this. Y'all have made me require a sound effects change. <laughs> uh, so. What you proceed to see, there's this burst of chamomile flowers, and then the petals and flowers actually spring outwards from the blade, and this bubble of almost shade and darkness that you were using to muffle noise and keep the commotion down solidifies around you. And all of a sudden, you all are back in the infinite forest. For those who are more comfortable dreamwalking, I need to get rid of wildlife sounds, hold on. Uh, for those who are more comfortable dreamwalking, you know you are not physically here, you are not dreaming. You are seeing a projection of one of Zira's dreams. And Zira is in this weird state where Zira is still kneeling in front of you, but Zira is also walking around this space. There is a sort of ephemeral projected version of Zira moving around, speaking, and speaking to a figure. This figure is odd, to say the least, even to you all. Do they look familiar to me in particular? They do. Or to any of us in general? Well, I'm. This is a callback to something, um, depending on what this looks like. They do look familiar, but not in a way you would anticipate, Rue. Hmm. Or okay. any of you, really. Because to you, you see a figure draped in what appears to be a fine spider silk overcoat. And it is very clearly spider silk. They have fiery, bright, golden hair that traces down their back in almost a, almost a mane, uh, in a messy way. It looks like there's no reason for it to be held back, and yet it is completely held back out of their face. However, their face is completely bone white, and their eyes are black. In the those creepy eyes, kind of solid black. The creepy kind of solid black. There is no, there is no sclera. It is just all black. If y'all would look at Alyssa's mask. In a, in an interesting mirror, almost yes. 
you would see under this overcoat is almost a cravat and then bright, bright gold finery beneath. Rue and Danica would both recognize this finery as marking this as a member of the Lucidian Court of Dreams, a fellow dreamwalker. As a result, you know that this person is more than likely not showing their true face, as many Lucidian Court members are lucid dreamers and can manipulate their surroundings in the dream realm, including how they appear. This person is speaking with Zira, interacting with Zira as though part of her dream, and then appears to pull from beneath their spider silk coat the beacon crystal. Physically in the dream realm, not a representation, and hands it to Zira's dream self. And as they hand it to Zira, the crystal, when Zira takes it, turns into what appears to be a mug. A simple ceramic mug with a clean handle. As you can see, it passes into Zira's dream and becomes something new. Hidden. And now, you hear Zira basically speaking to the person and saying, Oh, um... Oh, I, I can't believe you give me grandmother's favorite mug. That's... I appreciate that. And they're speaking to this person as though they are a member of their family. And you can tell that the person Zira is seeing is not the same person you are seeing. And then the person steps away and fades out of the dream itself. And the illusion brings. And Zira, the physical Zira, has no idea what the hell that means. They are not a dreamwalker, they do not understand the realm of dreams. But they do very clearly know that they have had some, shall we say, uh, hand in the attack on Twin Creeks. Just a side um, note. Mm -hmm. I was just gonna say, just a side note. Grandma is still free to respond. She has, like, she, you know, like the ancestors have just taken a hold of Alyssa's body. It's free reign, free reign. Oh, I, I just kind of like lift the sword up into the air as soon as the dream ends, and it disappears in a shower of flowers. Uh, um, at which point it's gotta go. Oh, Zira, I'm, I'm so sorry this is happening to you. Zira just sort of like, it's a little bit of her fire back and looks up at you and she just says, I'm sure you are. It's a bit of a creative thing using me to smuggle the crystal, even though I didn't know it. 
Now I'm assuming you want to know why, or at least who else is working with me and all that stuff. Oh, who are you asking me? Because if you're asking me, the answer is no. The person you should address is over there, and I just point like Alyssa radiating like spiritual <laughs> energy and angry, fierce grandmother, and I'm like, and good luck with that, by the way. The spiritual presence for this day is angry grandma energy. <laughs> As Rose said it best, it is chocolate time. And the grandmother speaks up and just says, You can be coy all you want, child. But remember, we are not traitors. And Para once again, or not Para, Zira, pardon me, once again gets a little quiet and just says, It's a bit difficult to move up in the wardens when there's no attacks going on. Me, quietly, and my mind in the background. Wow, bitch. Wow. Please. See, this is, again, internal monologue. See, I knew where the lines were, and apparently you don't, but you're about to learn today. <laughs> you're not wrong. Barry's going to use geomancy to search for the mug. Barry, I will say this. You use Geomancy to search for the mug, and you realize it's not there. You realize the reason why you were getting a faint signal from this is because the crystal itself is now hidden within Zira's pocket of the dream realm, physically. This Lucidian court member brought the physical well, actually, crystal in into the realm. I do I see Barry doing this, like trying to like use Geomancy to look for the crystal we saw in the dream? Oh yeah, you would see the earth shift and you would see the plants start moving and searching Zero's packs and pockets. Okay, so I, if, if you do not mind, I would, I would like to do the thing because, you know, dream space. Hey, um, Barry, what are you doing? Just making sure that the cup is not in her belongings. I see. Um, Barry, a question for you. When you went looking for this item earlier, what happened? I only got the faintest of uh, harmonizing. Yes, that's the word, harmonizing. And then, what? and then what did you do? I threw it. And then where did it go? Point, he points at, directly at the back of Zara's head. Now, I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily like a scientist or anything, but my guess would be if you clock, if you just, you know, threw something and it smacked her in the head where you were looking for the crystal, unless her head is the crystal itself, we're going to have to go in there somehow. And to my knowledge, and probably yours, there's only one way to do that. Well, between us, there are two ways. It's still the same way, but they 
they do count as two different paths. You technically have a point, but I think, you know, maybe our star-clad friend that we ran into was a little bit more correct than we understood at the time. Oh. How so? I'll tell you later. Do you see this performance happening between grandmother and granddaughter over here? I'm kind of living for the performance. <laughs> but then at some point, we're probably going to have to step into wherever their dreams lie and go and try to I am a living patient. Oh, only a one, only a little, but two. I think you can wait for this. Exactly. So. Well, you go and get him, Grandma. You do that. <laughs> Grandma gonna have a time. Uh, so. If y'all. Uh, Barry is going to grow a tank left over. <laughs> <laughs> what? A slipper. It is slipper. It's no, like a, a sandal. Oh, okay. Tank left. Um, yeah, like, see, but. Say, today is for cultural notes. Every culture has its particular disciplinary tools. The tool from data culture is chocolates. <laughs> they fly at light speed. They have unerring accuracy, like Gunier from like Norse culture. And it is. Melissa, I'd like you to make a precision check for me. A precision? Yep, it's gonna okay. use your. It's gonna use your skill. But it's, it is, Grandma's having a time. Grandma is having a time. Um, so that's two cards. That is a three and a queen. So that is 13. <laughs> so. Also, um, this is a note here, Alyssa, for like, yeah, for your experience with this person, how skilled of a fighter are they? Oh, Oh, Zira is top of the top. She, If she's commanding the expeditionary forces and her brother is the head of the Guardian Corps, um, like the Dark Fangs have been known as a Glee Morden family for particularly occupying the Scouting and the Guardian Corps. Very rarely do they uh, do research, yeah. but um they have been praised for their for their fighting prowess. Okay, so they're just so basically they've been out here longer than Pepper's Farm remembers. Yeah, this, <laughs> yes. this is a Glee Borden legacy family, and in particular, they wind up in the Guardians or the Scout Corps because they're all beast folk. They all have these slight mutations to them that are like Zira's eyes, physical and allow them, you know, certain abilities beyond just what you or I would have. For Zira in particular, it is acute sight in the dark, and it is an extreme amount of dexterity, much like a cat. Um, and Zira's that become... being said. Yeah, no dexterity will save Zira from the absolute thing that that is about to happen. Um, because out of nowhere, Alyssa What's that whistling noise? 
it's not actually a whistling noise. This is a oh. precursor to what you're about to say. I, for a second, I thought something was going on. Um, Alyssa, there's a point where, like, you don't usually have spirits that can manipulate your body. The most they usually do is speak with your voice. In this one singular instance, with a 38. <laughs> Listen, with a 38, the, they do have control. Like, at this point, that 38 lent control. Oh, yeah. Full control. And so there is just this moment of that slipper flies, and it is clocking Zira square in the forehead. And it was like a left-hand sidearm throw. And then Grandma settles back down. And there's actually this moment where Grandma just like speaks to you in your own head, Alyssa, and just says, I am sorry. Child deserved it. Continue. For the insult, and Alyssa just in her head replies back for the insolence in deciding to pull her brother's rank above me. You gave her. Oh, she has a welcoming party waiting for her on the other side when things settle down. I wouldn't worry about that. Um, I look at the I look at the grandmother and say, "Would you like uh, Would you like me to speed that process for you?" <laughs> the grandmother, out loud to the rest of you, says, "No, no, she she needs to live with the consequences." Oh, you thought I meant death. Oh, no. Surely not. Not for me. Now, that being said, um, Crow, this is something that I think we've talked about before with certain weapon skills. This is a um, thing I believe we've talked about. So, is this a thing that I can do? Uh... We have discussed you being able to use this ability. I would say yes. It's going to cost you potential to do it for now. Mm -hmm. Eventually, we'll reach a point where it won't be at cost for you. And that's fine. I, I will spend potential for this. I... How far... How far do you want to go with this? So, basically, the it would be the effect of giving her a preview, let's say. So... Of the welcoming party? A preview of the welcoming party and just being like, I, I have something I want to describe here that I think you will find fun. But um, also just kind of a, I'm not gonna like, like, like kill you or anything like that, but what I am going to do is give you a brief jaunt into this world that you're going to eventually end up at and the way that you may be received when you get there. Just as one, a reminder, and two, don't you dare ever do this again. Uh, or And also probably sideways three, you lie about this to to the like uh, heads when we get back and it's a swift. Oh, it's not even a threat for death. I'm just doing this because she was rude. So... <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying it, it is going to be 
even worse if the if Zira decides to lie to the heads of the Glee Wardens. May I? So, I'm gonna say because it is a short glimpse into Zira's potential future, uh, I'll only ask you to spend one. Okay. So, what everybody is going to you're this is you know hey everybody gets to have like a small ceremonial moment because this is the first time you've heard me say this um i am going to um like kind of put um kind of a a hand to like the center of my chest here and i'm going to redraw this bokken out which is kind of like you know like what are you going to do with this it's only a stick right um but with the drawing of this blade is a rolling fog. Um, and there is just this, the robes that I'm normally wearing are kind of flowing in. It would be the wind, but you can't feel anything. Um, when I touch Zero with the sword, I like, touch her with the sword and then slowly draw it away and you see like an astral form of herself following in its trail. Yes, indeed. The only person that Zira can see at this moment is me and her grandmother. Not Alyssa's body with her grandmother speaking through her, but her grandmother and whoever her grandmother brought along. Does Zira have anything that she would like to say to anyone? Zira is stammering and stuttering and quiet because she just remembers getting clocked in the forehead with a shoe in a way that she has not been since she was a very, very wee child. Um... I assume you might have a couple of questions, so let me answer one of them. Are you dead? The answer is no. However... Well, I think you have some relatives who would like to speak to you. I'll give them a moment to do that. Um, let me know when you're done. So this all sort of happens within a split moment mm -hmm. for the rest of you. What happens for Zira is she first sees her grandmother who you can see has a bit more of the beast folk to her. She actually has like whiskers like a cat um, and perhaps has a little bit of claws to her as well. And the uh -huh. way she is portrayed is, you know, for you all, you see someone who was older and weathered and very much passed away of old age. And then when Zero sees her, this woman immediately, like, despite having lines around her eyes, despite having, you know, a bit of age to her, immediately cracks her knuckles. And she says, actually, I need the voice for this. Now, child, you know that I have never been a proponent of corporal punishment. <laughs> But all I need to say is that we are not happy with you in the slightest. 
And as she says we, from behind her, a few other folks step out. Rue, you would not know who these folks are, but for your sake and the sake of the audience, Zero would see her grandfather, all four of her great-grandparents, because the Glee Wardens have been around roughly... For generations. Yeah, oh. you know, we're, we're looking at two, two and a half centuries here, so there are multiple generations of this legacy family. Not the, not the absence of the parents. And then not there that. is a much younger person who steps forward last. If you could see it, Alyssa, Danica, and Barry would know that this would be Zira's younger sister. A younger sister who died on an expedition much like this one roughly five years prior. And this sibling steps out with arms folded and just sort of tilts their head back and says, You know, Z, I never thought you'd shame me this much. Oh, I'm not even upset. I'm disappointed. Not this. And after a moment of Zira stunned in silence, her younger sister just says, If these are the choices you make, you damn well be ready to take back every tear you shed at my funeral. And then the sibling disappears and the vision ends. Rue, you would have seen all of this happen. Like, it feels like five years, but it's like been like maybe 30 seconds at the most for you. And I mean, violet like flowing clothes like the whole time like they're just been there like glowing and if you were to look at my eyes they would just be filled with a like a seafoam green color like it's one of those i am somewhere and it is not here at the moment and zero would look the same way mm -hmm. when zira returns to her physical form there is nothing but silence and tears down her face. I would like to note that uh, if everybody thought Alyssa calling the ancestors was Aang about to give Ozai justice, no, 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 that was Aang giving Ozai justice. That was the moment Aang took away Ozai's bending. Mm -hmm. That passing. And I put the sword away and like, it's one of those, I don't know who these people are specifically, but like the splash damage from hearing that being said, like I'm just saying there's like, who? Oh, oh boy. Mm. You just went, you just went Bankai, unleash your disappointment and <laughs> <laughs> the most emotionally <laughs> devastating Bankai in existence. 
Like, hold on, did we just do like the penance there from Ghost Rider low key with this sword just now? No, like you did worse. This this is like a listen, I'm not attacking you for the sins you've committed. Just know that you've disappointed everyone that matters to you in your existence. That are dead. That are waiting for you. Could you imagine someone telling you, like, not knowing how long you were going to live, that they were going to be disappointed no matter when you arrived, unless you fix things? Be like, we're just going to go ahead and tell you early we're disappointed. Now, you have an option to change that outcome, but I'm going to tell you, your starting grade is a zero. Basically, THC in chat just said I rattled for zero and I'm not even on her side. <laughs> can we can we get an F in the chat for zero? If that wasted screen did not appear after her comeback. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wish I had a sample. I wish I had a sample of just the sound effect that plays with it. <laughs> okay. Uh, at this point, uh, Alyssa will just gently prod the grandma's spirit to just, just get her to answer in front of the quartermaster, and you can go back to your peace. Because fun fact, Alyssa can't hold this for long. <laughs> oh yeah, like this is under two minutes tops of all this going down. Um, I would also like to point out that uh, Quartermaster has been standing there, has not said a word, has just been waiting and watching because they assume that there is a reason for all of this. Now, I'm going to montage through this a little bit because I assume you appraise the Quartermaster of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And the Quartermaster would just say, well, that means zero will have to be taken the court in front of Para. And Para will have to give the judgment. Um, a court? Do we have one of these in the middle of a traveling caravan? Not right now when we get back to Crestfall. Also, as Alyssa's Cara. voice just like uh, as of Alyssa's voice just, like, pokes in. Mm-hmm. Who or what is Para? Her brother. Para is one of the five heads of the Clean Wardens, specifically of the Guardian Corps. Those people that we send out to exterminate Banehorde. Hera will have to give the judgment, because they are the only head sent at the brink. And we'll be reaching there by the end of the day. From the tone of the quartermaster, you would know that this implies that court is not going to wait until Crestfall. It's going to be held at the brink, and the decision will be made by Para, and Para will pass along the decision that's been made. So that it might be vetoed by the other heads. Ah, thank you, Barry. Um... Oh, wait. Um, I'll need that to go get the cup. No. Never mind. Can I take it back? 
Right. The quartermaster saw the dream illusion, right? Uh, the quartermaster would have seen it, yes. You. Hmm. Hi, fun fact. Alyssa's now on the floor. Yeah, Alyssa is exhausted. Um, the ground ripples and lifts you into the nearest, um, into the nearest wagon. Like a wave. Yes. At which point I imagine that the shadows around dissipate and everything else. Yes. Now I have no idea what in what position to the caravan we are now because they've probably been moving past us the whole time. You're about... I think you're in like towards the back quarter of the caravan at this point, I would say. What kind of armor is Zero wearing? Zero is wearing um, effectively leathers. Um, mostly Zero is kitted out for stealth and hunting right now. Is there anything metal on her? Um, Zero does have a pair of daggers at their belt. Um, and... Would they have anything else? I don't think they would. Um, ranged weapon would have been left back with the caravan, so it's just her daggers. Okay. Because the entire time, like since the vision, Danica has been stone faced and very visibly pissed and cold. And so before she's gonna help, she's gonna help um, Zira up and grip her by the front of her leather armor and use her pyromancy to make the leather uncomfortably hot. Oof. Uh, yeah, Zira at this point is not unresponsive, but is definitely subdued in response. So she does start to squirm a little bit. Um, and basically says, I, I know, I know. No. Um, we, we need to get the crystal probably before the judgment. Zira basically says you'll be able to get it night when I sleep. Judgment won't happen until tomorrow. More than likely. Well, I mean, do you have any foolish fantasies of escaping and running off? Where is there to run to? Out here, there's just a life of hiding and foraging, or being absorbed into the horde. So what's the point? Well, I can't say that it would be just, but it would be deserved. And she just kind of gets her own stone face going a little bit and then she'll the quartermaster would actually speak up and just say depending on how para takes these answers exile isn't out of the question either so we save exile for the worst of us your actions close to 200 people in danger and that is not something that can be overlooked. Danica. Mm-hmm. 
Take her to my wagon. There's lengths of iron chain that you can use to bind her. I need to address Lovely. the rest of the expedition. And the quartermaster uh, starts to step off to go find some of the other Gleam Wardens who are glancing your way now that the shadows have dropped and are wondering what's going on and are effectively <laughs> seeing Danica hoist Zira by the collar at this point. Yeah, how tall is Zira, by the way? Zira is like 5'2". Danica is full on. Yeet. This is basically that meme of the very, very tall lady holding up the very, very small lady against the wall. That is, that is what's happening right now. Zira cannot look you in the eye, by the way. Good. So. Also, like, watching the ground just ripple and deposit Alyssa into one of the passing by wagons is also a thing that is noted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barry. Do me a yes. favor and call red or black. Red. Yes, correctly. Barry, you didn't notice it before because of the commotion and because there were visions to witness and spirits that required their moment to speak. But when you were rifling through Zero's effects, I'll say. The plant life did find what appears to be a piece of a wax seal. What would have come off of a letter, for example. And the image embossed into the wax is of a crescent moon over a spiraled caduceus. You do not recognize the symbol. I will say that much. But it does stand out as something that Sira would not normally have on her, or anyone would have on her, really, because no one really has sealing wax amongst the Gleam Wardens or any of you. That is a very... a very bureaucratic thing to have. Would be the best word I could come up with. Um... Barry will pick up all of Danica's um, bags and, and effects and whatnot and uh, deposit them in the quartermaster's cart. Uh, he'll... Uh, um, I believe Danica's there with Zira. At that point, I would say, Danica, you're probably in the process of, like, wrapping Zira's arms and clamping them and you don't actually have like cuffs or manacles or anything like that so you sort of have to resort to wrapping twisting and then padlocking <laughs> everything no i would meld the metal oh okay uh fair enough Danica's just not enough to not enough yeah not enough to um not near her skin but there will be parts Danica will warm up where it touches her skin and it's very uncomfortable. Okay. Uh, she definitely squirms a bit. She, she does not like that, but she can't stop it either. Um, so, we 
We've got about 20 minutes left. Is there anything else you all would like to do concerning the day? I would like to show Danica the deal. Would you happen to know anything about this? Would I? I don't know. Um... I I don't think Danica would okay because the caduceus that would be that sounds like something medical or healing yeah like the and Danica comes from uh, her mom's a a doctor her mom and her brother are a doctor yeah like uh, the caduceus in this setting is the signet of the god Oberon the healer um, who is sort of just a traveling doctor. But if you turned them into a deity. And so the Caduceus frequently gets used as a symbol for healers and doctors as a resort. In this instance, you've never seen this particular arrangement. Um, and it does strike you as a little bit odd. Yeah, um, the Caduceus is a healing symbol, but beyond that, I'm unfamiliar with this arrangement. I don't know who this belongs to. I'll have to make some inquiries when we're back in town. Indeed. Rue or Alyssa? Is there anything you two would specifically like to do? I think somebody is going to have a particular chat with Don Chifo. I am going to have like a meditative moment to try to clear my mind um, for a bit. Um. And to do that, I'm going to try to pick whatever point on the caravan is the tallest. The tallest point of the caravan would probably be one of the more covered wagons um, that people have worked on. So it's definitely, you know, stands head and shoulders taller than other, at least mobile portions of the caravan. If you wanted a landmark of sorts, uh, you would pass some particularly tall trees and hills along your way, so you could pick any one of those as well, depending. Um, okay, then I am going to um, just be on, on top of that covered wagon, um, doing meditative things, because I have feelings about the events of today, and especially where there's a person who just said we kind of put a whole town of people in danger for the sake of making sure that I could look good doing my job. And the funny thing is, the funny thing is, Alyssa was the one who made her look good. Mm-hmm. Um, doing things and me thinking, you know, as a person kind of independent of the town and anything else, 
about the kind of person who would be willing to put other people's lives in danger for clout TM. Uh, Oof. DM suddenly realizing things got a little too real for a second. <laughs> um, taking, taking that moment Mystery. and going, going, right, so, and kind of deciding, you know, like, for this moment, um, I guess, you know, it was one of those, you know, I hoped I would be able to be here and be helpful, but it looks like we have some enemies here, and, um, that's unfortunate. Also, trying to make sure to keep emotions in check because if I decide to show up in Lucid Dreamland later and maybe decide to terraform her brain, um, it would be kind of... And maybe I shouldn't do that. It does come with a certain amount of responsibility. I mean, I don't... I mean, it does come with a certain amount of responsibility, but if Zira is any indicator, we don't have to be responsible. Fair, but also... Mm. You're just like, just because NPCs have been monsters at the mean you have to be as a player. Please don't. Very true. So. Um, later, I'm going to... I'm going to... After that moment of meditation, I'm going to find Barry and talk to them for a bit. All right. For a moment, Alyssa, mm -hmm. you sort of pass into a, not really a sleep, but you doze for a bit. And upon waking, it's maybe, you know, an hour or two later, as your spiritual magic settles itself. And you awaken in the back of this wagon to see a bit of an odd figure sitting with you. Mm -hmm. They are very clearly not a spirit. They are physical. Mm -hmm. You see Unable to tell gender, really, um, a person whose face is made up somewhat akin to a jester or a clown. It is a white face paint with bright, bright eyeshadow. Um, just to be annoying, perfect wing eyeshadow as well, by the way, an eyeliner. Um, they are wearing a what appears to be a red sleeveless tailcoat over cravat and other finery, a vest and flax, things that like you wouldn't really see now, but you may have seen in the old world two, 300 years ago. I use the term old world very, very lightly here. And they are over one shoulder. They appear to have slung some sort of case, like an instrument case or something else. And they are just sitting back in the corner of the wagon that you are in. And they say, Hmm. Well, aren't you an interesting one? The same can be said for you. What are you doing here? 
Oh, I'm just passing through. I was swept up in all the commotion when the town was evacuated. I was playing in the tavern that evening. I'm very tired, so I will not fight you on that, but I hardly doubt that you are here. Well, I'm not much of a fighter. I am much more of a performer, thankfully. So, we can both be a bit, uh, relaxed about that, shall we? I do have to say, though, one with a particular command of, uh, spirits such as yours, it makes me a bit curious what you're doing around here. My jog. Hmm. Well. And they just sort of stand. And they sweep up from behind them what appears to be effectively a smaller, like, top hat of sorts. And in the wagon fully, it is one of the covered wagons, I'll say. They stand and give you a very courteous bow. And they just say, Well. It has been a joy to meet you. Truly. Madam Vesper. But, and they put the hat back on. I have performances to make. So, I do believe I will be seeing you again. I do hope your headache goes away as well. And, while I do not wish to speak ill of the dead, you might want to be a bit more cautious about those you call on from time to time, hmm? And he just kind of winks at you. Not all those who remain are friendly, after all. Not all those who say they are friendly and living speak wise advice he just smirks and he does that thing where as he was bowing to you he bowed from the waist i'm mm -hmm. using he as a pronoun but you can generally use any pronouns for them and they locked eyes with you the entire bow so they were like they never broke eye contact and as they stand back up they just say well it's a good thing i never claim to be friendly then isn't it Ta-ta. And then they are gone as they snap their fingers and they disappear in a rush of rose petals that just oh, this just like die. curls up her nose and just ugh. i hated them i always hate roses so with that we are about to hit our end point, so I'm going to montage the end of this a little bit. You all successfully make it back to the brink, which is the fort on the edge of the plateau. As stated at the beginning of the episode, the brink is sort of a two-piece fort. You have the lower fort, which is where um, the sort of the staging area for the expeditionary forces, I would say, and the scouts. And then you have the upper fort, which is a lookout that affords them quite a view of the landscape. And it takes a while, because moving 200 people in wagons, despite these two forts being connected by a massive elevator, is still very difficult. 
The elevator itself is a slab of stone supported by iron and iron supports and it has two massive chains that frequently frequently not two should be four actually one for each corner of the slab that frequently need maintenance uh, Danica you've been one of the people to work on the chains as, as of late on occasion and it is this massive kind of grinding elevator that brings them up to the top for it you all are some of the last to arrive at the upper fort? The civilians are moved up first. In your first, at least in some cases, um, especially for Rue, your first glimpse of the plateau is beautiful. It is rolling hills of not grass, but what looks like a deeper green moss that is just verdant across this area and you see wildflowers sprouting up around that moss and within it as well off in the distance you can see this plateau stretches for quite a while like this plateau is effectively as though multiple mountains had the tops just sheared off and mm, so okay. their their bases all sort of merge into this large basically a nation-sized plateau really it is okay. there are slight dirt roads that you can see they are well traveled and off in the distance you can see it would almost look like a second sun on the horizon but it's not quite it's just glimmering off in the distance and if you turn around look at looking out over the edge you would see more of these rolling hills, but in the opposite direction of that glittering sun, second sun on the horizon, you would see almost like something eating light in the distance to the west at the heart of the continent. You don't quite know what it is, but those of you who know the history of Calistri and the Plateau would recognize this as the remains of Altirth, the city, which has long mm. since been overrun by the Bane Horde and is perhaps the highest concentration of them. And you can just somewhat glimpse the darkening of the horizon where there, where that citadel and that city would sit at the center of the continent. You all hoist Zira into the Brinken chains and her older sibling Para is perhaps one of the few people that is buffer than Danica at present one of the few Para stands close to seven feet tall how much of that is horns is hard to say Para very much included or inherited quite a bit of the beast folk genes in their family. So they have the grandmother's here, here claws. Looking like Iron Bull. A little bit. They have their grandmother's claws, but they also have two curling ram's horns that go straight up and then back a little bit. They have the eyes, like Zira does as well. And strapped at their waist are a pair of what look like warhammers on loops of chain. And when Zira is dragged in and you all explain what happened, 
Para gets a very dark look on their face. And Para basically the face you see is one of not of anger, not even of disappointment. One of grief. As Para looks over their sibling and says then it appears that I am the last of the dark fangs your name is to be stricken from the records you are zero but you are dark fang no more the rest of your sentence will be decided the council. Quartermaster. Drag the nameless back to Crestfall for their sentence. And Para exits. And with that, we are going to end today's session. So, this is like this is like the second worst thing other than dwarven sentences from Aragon. <laughs> Basically. Um so for lack of a better term, Zira has been ex excommunicated from her family. And then the rest of the wardens have to decide what Zira's role is going to be going forward. Because a lot of the times the wardens are used as a punishment, like community service winds up being your punishment for quite a few things. But they have to decide just how severe this is, because they've never really run into the instance of a warden causing an attack before. This is new waters. So a question here that I have um, because of this thing. So is it one of those things like it's clear through the visions, the reaction of their ancestors and things that people saw? and things that Zero said, that this thing that was offered to them was something they absolutely for sure knew was the beacon crystal. And then they decided to keep that information hidden and let the Bane Horde show up and destroy their town. So I will say, um, because this is a good question, upon further interrogation, especially when Para gets drawn into the instance, the what zero would explain is that zero was the one who removed the crystal from the initial lantern at the attack and then zero left it at a point in town as sort of a dead drop zero was not aware that the crystal was hidden by someone else within her own dreams but never minding that part because zero went and was a willing accomplice in this situation yes. which is the thing that I am more concerned about because it's one of those on the one hand could have been a willing accomplice on the other hand people being able to move stuff through the realm of dreams and do stuff is kind of like it's know, it's tough were, no. were you just out here and you got caught up in the okie doke out here or you know no, it, was it, this a thing that you like you willingly decided to be um you know the B in ACAB Oh yeah, no, this was, this was willing accomplicehood. It's just, 
Zira got a bit more framed than she was anticipating. Oh, hee hee. This happens when you, when you include things like these. You fucked around and you found out. Um, and y'all found out things that you weren't supposed to find out, but it's fine. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's an interesting introductory arc that ends with effectively dealing with a minor villain, question mark, uh, without having to use any kind of violence outside of a light bonking. Well, you know, like the, the whole thing for me and the way that I've um, chosen things is that I only throw hands if I have to, but my main superpower is having the ability to get the tea. Like, that's it. Like, my I, whole thing. I only, throw hand, I only throw hands if I have to. My whole thing is finding the tea. Says, <laughs> says the person and who Alyssa conjured a person's ancestors. Listen. The a good portion way a good way to get somebody to tell the truth is to just get their ancestors on their case and have them hear the I'm not upset I am disappointed. Yep. Yep. You Ooh, I just thought about it. I take back them tears you cried for me, honey. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> you really just thought about something that's actually kind of like terrifying. Girl, what if you go to the afterlife and your answers can't find you because they're just like, I don't know who you are. You don't have a name. I don't know you. In the cosmology. I have, you, I, have, you, have I met you? I don't think I know you. Have I seen you at the family reunions? So I don't have a granddaughter who was the joy of my life. So I, I will. I will take two minutes to explain a little cosmology thing. There is the god of war, Zarekar, who is also the god of memorials of war and self-improvement and becoming a hero. Zarekar's celestial job is that they take the names of heroes and upon their death carve them into a wall that surrounds Sephir the realm tree at its base. This wall and the names of these heroes create an enchantment that helps protect Sephir. By striking, so by striking Zira's surname, Hera has ensured that Zira, no matter what she does, can never be inscribed on that wall. That's harsh. That's really harsh. You can try to be great, but you won't ever be recognized. Even that if she does exactly get a new surname from marriage, that still is a heavy if because her original surname was struck yep so with that um i'm just going to kill my sound effects here and we're gonna go into our outro folks so um same order as last time tell people who you are tell them where they can find you uh sin rainy row and nins if you please okay um sure thing Hi, my name is again sinziak of the he him variety you can find me here on Twitch on Mondays and Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. You can also find me with the Tech Talk crew on Thursdays, surprisingly also at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then every other week, you can find me here being Lumine um, of the He, They variety here on Ether. Um, also, while we're here, I believe there is like merchandise and other things that you can purchase that have like all of these wonderful words and logos and stuff on them. 
pretty cool. You can go and snag yourself one. So I would highly recommend. Hi, um, I'm Rainy of the Rainy Keys variety here on Twitch and at on Twitter at Rained Keys. Uh, I do art. I do games. I have commissions open. Check that out. I have a card for all of that. But you can find me at General Chaotic Hours, their thusly on said art and streaming channel, and every other like every first and third Wednesdays over at the wonderful channel of the folks that are wonderfully hosting and producing the show, RPG Hour, as Agnes Wolf on their show, Routes Unknown. And you can also catch me again here every other Sunday as the wonderful necromancer, Alyssa Vesper. Hey y'all, I'm Monroe, pronouns he, they, and you can find my general tomfoolery of tabletop design and art and stuff on Twitter at MonroeRo98, and maybe sometimes on some other fun people's uh, streams here. Is that a hint for future things? Maybe, if, uh, if um, we can play our mellow again at some point. And Nins. Hi, I'm a Ninbins. You can find me at Ninbins on Twitter. My pronouns are he, him. Um, I may be handling, uh, I, I will be handling at some point, uh, a nice little TTRPG podcast. Oh, Ooh, wonderful. Ooh. Wonderful. You will have to give us all of the details as they arrive. Indeed. And of course, you'll find me here every other week. And lastly, I am your narrator, Eric, a.k.a. Eldritch Crow. I use he, him pronouns. You can find me at Eldritch Crow on Twitter, uh, at Eldritch Crow with two W's on Twitch. I stream every Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. And um, I am also on RBG Hours Routes Unknown podcast, or stream, I should say, with uh, Rainy every other Wednesday. Uh, I am playing the hired as hell librarian with a shotgun chris and uh it's a fun time i'm also <laughs> thank you uh i am also on rpg hour star wars legacies podcast as runt the sugar addicted clone trooper so you should definitely uh go check them out um for the vod and the youtube vod later uh all of that will be in the description thank you for joining us everyone and i do hope that you all enjoyed the show. I know I did. We got into some drama today. And uh, I hope you'll join the, us again in two weeks. It was the kind you wanted. It was the kind you wanted. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you want more of. Uh, a hell of a starting arc for the show, if I do say so. But yes, thank you everyone for joining us. Come back in two weeks and we will be back again. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.